Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Yeah, the Ric Flair documentary was fire. It's Wes. This came out. It's on Peacock. It's called Woo. Yeah, <laughs> I it was. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, this man said real quick. And Walker. It is called Woo. It's not the most glowing review of the title. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. And like, I thought there would be like a lot of emphasis on the oh, Whoa! And he was just like, it's called Woo. o'clock hour off and rolling on Wesson Walker. Thanks for listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hoping to have Mike Salarte, the sports director at Spectrum News 1, on with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. In just a moment, he can talk about him winning North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year, voted by members of the NSMA. Eric Collins also tying with Mike Salarte. So pretty cool to see both of these guys who won. I know Eric Collins is as prepared as any broadcaster in the game. I know you got to work with him for an entire season. What are some of the Eric Collins preparation stories that you can tell us? We, the thing is we get to see it firsthand, Wes. Yeah. It's crazy. That level of uh, preparation that he brings to the table. Yeah. I mean, just all of the things that he knows the the sheer detail. And not only that, it's the amount of games he's doing in a week. He's doing multiple games in a week and he is just super duper prepared for each game. I mean, he would pull out his manila folders that he had with stats and facts on each side of them. And he would always hit us with like some type of jaw dropping statistic that would just be so hard to find. He'd be like, you know, a mellow ball on Tuesdays, he makes six free throws <laughs> yeah, per right. contest. Right. Before he hits his first three. And you're like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching the Spurs game because they had to go deep into the bag of trivia questions. Oh, he's the perfect guy for that. Perfect. He's built for this. I wish he had a better product to call right now, but he is built for this. When he asked uh when he asked um Del Curry about the top ten three point field goal shot attempts in Virginia history. Yeah. Like anybody born in Virginia? Who were the top 10? Dell is one. And then he would bring up the other guys on that list. It's crazy. Yeah, and I, and I hate it too, man, because we haven't gotten a, a classic Eric call in a while. One that just makes you just play right. it over and over again. When that voice hits that high screeching pitch, so we, we need that. So, Hornets, come on, get us some highlights. All right, we'll get an Eric call. We have a Mike Salarte call right now. That's though. right. We He's have on the, that. He is on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, sports director at Spectrum News 1, and also voted North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year by the NSMA. Mike, thanks so much for hopping on with us. Congratulations. Thank you for giving an acceptance speech here. We're not going to play the music on you. I do want to <laughs> know. I'll tell you to wrap it up. You no, know, we're not going to do that. You have plenty of time. What does it mean to you, the fact that people voted for you to win this award? Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me on, guys. It really is a treat. Um, what it means is that it means everything to me because this isn't voted on. This isn't uh, something that I can go tell people oh, this magazine has is, is got me up for an award, so go vote. This is voted on by my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's voted on by 
by you guys. It's voted on by the sportscasters across the state, uh, the sports writers across the state. Um, so for the folks that I'm, you know, elbow to elbow with, whether I'm on the field at a Panthers game or uh, in a press box somewhere or, or you know, on, doing my job on TV, uh, for my colleagues to feel that I'm worthy of that kind of recognition and honor uh, is, to me, the the most important and, and the best compliment that you can get in this crazy business. So uh, for all those folks that voted for me and, uh, and, and felt I was worthy, I'm eternally grateful. It, it really does mean uh, it means everything. It's great. Well, and, and look, I want to get your Panthers analysis. I want to get some of your Hornets opinions and all sorts of stuff. But I did want to say, and Wes, I know you were talking about how you've seen Mike out and about a million times, too. It's crazy, Mike. I, I So when I was working with ESPN, I would go out and I would get audio or I would go to these press conferences. You were the guy that was there everywhere I was. Like if I went to a Charlotte football press conference, there's a decent amount of people there. Will yeah. Healy era. There's Mike in the back. Got his camera. All right. So then I go to a basketball press conference, men or women. If Kara Consuegra is speaking, Mike Salarte is there. If Ron Sanchez is speaking, it's just to the sideline, not a press conference. It's me. It's Mike. And it's Cameron Williams. And that's it. At a practice for us. There's Mike. All right, now I'm going to go to a Hornets practice where only Sam Purley, you switch him out for Cameron Williams. There's Mike. Like, it's it's crazy, Mike. It really is. I want people to know that because that has to be not on just on top of the great coverage you provide, but you're covering it because you're you're there. Like, it seems like you put an importance on not only the professional sports because you're there for Carolina and the Charlotte Hornets, too, but it seems like you put an importance on the stuff that you might consider smaller as well. Why do you put so much more importance on that stuff, too, to try to bring the people that coverage as well? Honestly, guys, to me, it is uh, it was a mission statement that the guy that hired me, Jim Newman, uh, he and I talked about our philosophies and and everything. And I think that's the reason he hired me uh, was, you know, it was uh, basically it's serving the underserved. Everybody's going to cover Panthers. Everybody's going to cover. Well, there wasn't a basketball team when I was hired here, but they came back. But everybody's going to cover the Bobcats. Everybody's going to cover the big stuff. But the Charlotte Checkers. Um, Charlotte 49ers were, you know, not getting the kind of kind of run uh, when I first got here that they enjoyed prior to my uh, arrival in Charlotte. Uh, it's, you know, it's it was showing folks that hey, there's there are other games in town and there are other teams in town and athletes in town that work just as hard uh, as the as the pros do and and they're kind of you know off the radar and so we put them on the radar and um, you know and I don't. You know, other other stations have done that, and I'm not trying to say that we were the first. Um, but to your point about me being everywhere, it's the part of the job that I truly love. You know, it's, you know, being with the coaches and being with the athletes and being at the games when I can get there. You know, I, it, to to the last couple of years have been really hard for me to get to actual games um, because of the the nature of our show, our 30 minute show every night, the Chevrolet Sports Night. Shameless plug, uh, hmm. but. Uh, you know, it's. I just I'm there because I love it. I'm there because I, I love these relationships that I have with the coaches, that I have with the players, that you know the the relationships that I've built over time, um, and uh, that's that's a big reason why I think it's important to be there. And then, Mike, with such a great accomplishment that you've had, and I'm sure you've had people approach you and people approach us for different times trying to get into the business and wondering all those things. What's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to people that are pursuing uh, this industry? Uh, change your major, stay, and get get into a career that pays something. 
<laughs> no, no. If, if you look, I always ask, I, here, here's the question. There was a movie that came out in the 80s, and it had the greatest line. It was the Matt Modine movie. And honestly, I, the movie made such an impression on me, I can't remember the title. But Matt Modine was a doctor, okay? And he's doing his residency. He's, you know, he's, he's in this hospital, and the doctor that is in the scene with him says, why are you doing this? And, and Modine says, what do you mean? And he says, are you dedicated or are you poor? You have to be dedicated to doing this job, knowing that every day ends in why. doesn't matter if it's Christmas. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, Fourth uh, of July. Every day ends in why. There's always going to be something going on. So you have to be prepared to, you know, sometimes you're going to have to work on Christmas Day or you're going to have to work on Thanksgiving or you're going to have to, you know, because if that's what the story needs, that's what the job entails. So you have to be dedicated to it, um, and you have to be willing to, you know, make those sacrifices. And um, and I've done that. And thankfully, I've got a family that's been very understanding, um, knowing that you know I've got to be you know gone for you know New Year's Day, which I try not to be because that's my anniversary. Um, but knowing like Saturday was my wife's birthday, and she was cool with me going to the Checkers outdoor game because it was an event. It was something that was really really you know big for the city and and. I felt like I should be there. Um, so there are things that you, you kind of have to do and you try to find ways to, to make it up to the ones you love as best you can, but you have to be dedicated, uh, in my opinion, to, to do the job right. That's, that's the advice I get. Now, Mike, one thing when I always see you, I know you're a big hockey guy, man, and as me becoming more and more involved in hockey, I always try to pepper you with a few questions to get my knowledge up every time <laughs> I see you. So when you talk Brilliant. about let's go, yeah. So when you talk about the Carolina Hurricanes sitting there right now, third in the Metropolitan, coming into the season as the Stanley Cup favorite, as they sit there uh, right now, seven two and one in their last ten, what do you feel uh, about the Canes this season? Have they underwhelmed, and do you still feel like that they're that that Stanley Cup favorite that they? came into the season as I, I think that they're still definitely a contender uh, i look at the new york rangers and what they've done and they they are basically doing what the hurricanes did last year getting out of the blocks quickly and stacking up wins and doing everything that they've they've done to this point uh when when it comes to the hurricanes i think right now their biggest uh their biggest soft spot is in goal um because with Pyotr kochetkov being sidelined with a concussion that's leaving Auntie Ranta to mind the store, and it's no knock on Ranta, but behind him is a rookie that won the national championship with Quinnipiac last year, Yanni Peretz. That's not the guy they envisioned back being a backup goaltender this season. So injuries have been a problem. Frederick Anderson is still out with the blood clotting issue. Uh, so you know we're waiting on him to see if he's going to come back. Uh, so that's really the, the the one spot that I look at and say that's where they're the shakiest. Because I love their defense, I love their their, their top sixty are, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, group of defensemen in the NHL. And then their forwards, they can go four lines and they can play, you know, a skill game. They can play, a, you know, they can play a bump and grind game. Uh, you know, they they can play any style you want to play. So I, I I think if the Hurricanes can solidify the goaltending aspect. Uh, and shore it up as best they can, I think they can very well be a legitimate threat to win the Cup. Mike, obviously the Panthers very much in the news as they look for another head coach in consecutive years here. What's the number one quality you want in the next head coach of the Panthers? Oof. Wow, that's a really, really good question. Um, first off, I want to, I'm going to break some news here on your show. I have uh, removed my name from consideration. 
for the Panthers job. So, there you have it, uh, folks. Boom. It's a, it's a damn yeah, shame, so, to be honest so with you, Mike. I just want everybody to, I want everybody to know that. Um, the, what, what do I want to – what am I looking for in a Panthers coach? Man. You can give us a top name, too, if that's better. Yeah, well – I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's lots. Look, there's lots of good candidates that that are on their list. They've already had five interviews. You know, they've talked to uh, Chris Tabor and Jerome Rivera already internally. Talked to three others, external candidates. Um, man, it, you know, to me, in a perfect world, you don't lose a Jerome Rivera. He stays as a defensive coordinator or gets promoted to the head coach. Because um, there's got to be some semblance of consistency and continuity. There hasn't been continuity in six seasons. Uh, I mean, you, you guys have seen it. You, you guys have known what, what this team has gone through. Um, if you're going with an external candidate, then you also have to understand the fact that they're going to bring in their own guys and their own assistants, uh, the guys that they want to hire. So um, I think the biggest question mark, though, and I think you guys you may or may not agree, I, I personally think they've got to hire the GM first. And once they hire the GM, you get the GM's voice in the room about hiring the coach because the GM and the head coach are basically joined at the hip when it comes to making personnel decisions and doing all the things that they've got to do. So um, I'm, I'm more interested in, in seeing what the general manager position looks like and how they fill that. Um, and if it, I mean, in a, in a, in a crazy upside down world, if it ends up being a guy like Bill Belichick, who's going to be head coach and basically player personnel guy, which I'm not suggesting that's the case. Cause I don't think he's even on their list of, of candidates to interview. Um, then, then you don't have to worry about the GM position. But if you go traditional, I think you got to get the GM, and then you got to find the guy that's going to work best with him. Now, what does it all mean? It means that the Panthers' offense has got to find something, whether that's uh, a different scheme, whether that's letting the offensive linemen do what they do best, which is you know road grade as opposed to you know zone scheme stuff um, or, or spread stuff rather. I, I don't know. You know, it's. The, the new the new uh, the new coaching staff is going to have a lot of uh, a lot of input and influence on what this offense looks like next year. The one thing we know for sure is that Bryce Young is going to be here. So I mean that's I think that's a given. So beyond that, it, it really is going to be interesting to see how this organization uh, comes to an agreement on the head coach because they I think you guys would both agree they've got to get this right. Yeah, Mike, and with this being your first time on the show, I've definitely got to get your opinion. Do you feel like that Bryce Young is that guy to lead them, and how long do you foresee this potential rebuild taking? Well, I do think Bryce is the guy. I mean, let's 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 say that I mean, I'll, I'll say that loud and loud and proud. Um, he's he's so quiet and understated, but he's a competitor. I mean, I, I think we saw they only won two games last year, but think about the the game winning drives that they put together to win those games. The Houston drive was what sixteen plays, seven and a half minutes. The the Atlanta drive to end the game, to close out of the game winning field goal, was in a in a monsoon uh, that he had to make some big time throws. He's got the tools. He's got the ability. Last year, last season, I, I personally I don't think that the uh, the offensive scheme was the right fit for the personnel. What Frank Reich and 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 Thomas Brown wanted to do, I don't think it necessarily fit the group that they had. Um, and those guys have forgotten more football than I'm ever going to know, but this is just my opinion. Um, so I think that whoever comes in has to understand you're tied to Bryce young and he's not going anywhere. Let's make it work with him and what we've got. And how can we augment either receivers, offensive line, uh, the running back position, I think took a major step last year with Chuba Hubbard. Uh, and you know, and if Miles Sanders can be the guy that if he comes back, if he's back next season, uh, cause that's always a question mark. Um, 
you know, Miles Sanders, I think, has a lot to prove, not to fans or the team, but to himself, because he was pretty down on himself with the way he played, um, and he was the first to admit it. So um, it, it, it really is a very intriguing offseason with what's going on down on Street. Not every day you get to have the North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year on your show. We appreciate that title belonging to Mike Salarte, Sports Director at Spectrum News One. You can also follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Mike Salarte. Mike, thank you so much for the time, man. Congratulations. We'll have to have you on back soon to talk Canes with Wes. Guys, <laughs> Thanks, thank you Mike. very much. <laughs> Thanks again for having me. I really do appreciate it, and I do appreciate the kind words. Thanks, guys. Yeah, man. Mike Salarte, the man. And I'm glad he was awarded that because he deserves it as much as anybody. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We have plenty more on the Carolina Panthers coaching search. We'll also get to the not only coaching carousel rooting guide, but the campus corner also at the end of this hour. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, folks, on a Wednesday to the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Shout out to Mike Salate, man, once again, coming through with a great interview. You can check that out on the Wesson Walker Podcast. If you missed it, you can get it on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcast. Keep the text coming on the text line, 704-570-9610. Mike B said true. Great segment, though. He was asking about that. Mike. Well, he wanted to hear Mike's Hornets uh, takes. And mm. I said, only so much time. We went way over on that, trying to continue to shower Mike Solarte with praise and also get his opinions. But, yeah, somebody else said, man, he almost works as hard as y'all do, right? And Walker does. And here's the thing. I did that stuff, like, where I was trying to go, one, I didn't have near the reach that Solarte did. And I did that for, like, a couple of months mm-hmm. in that role. Solarte's been doing that for... I mean, are we on 30 years? I guess not 30. We're going on 20. I'm sorry to age you, Mike. I didn't mean to do that. But it's crazy. Like, it doesn't matter what the event is that is covered. Solarte is going to bring that to you. No matter what you're talking about, it's just crazy to see him there. Yeah, NASCAR Brett said, give this man a weekly segment. Great insight. And then something else has been coming up on the line. We can throw this in uh, really quick. Shaggy says, given the news about Bally Sports and Amazon, do you guys know when that will start? Do we have to wait until the next season to watch games or is it ASAP? That we don't know. But for those who don't know, uh, Amazon is acquiring a minority stake in Diamond Sports Group. The regional sports network filed for bankruptcy last year, putting local media rights for 37 teams across the NBA, MLB, and NHL in jeopardy. Now customers can watch games on Amazon Prime. So I'm not quite sure what uh, that's going to do 
for all of the parties involved. But uh, I know that we've gotten a few comments about that on the text line. So what Amazon is going to do is they're going to use their platform uh, in, in prime video platform to offer direct to consumer access to all the leagues that are carried by Bally. So yes, that does mean your Charlotte Hornets and for all the Braves fans out there, Canes fans, Bally will now you just basically go to prime video and that will be the direct to the consumer content that you so seek that on your favorite you no teams. You no longer need a Bally subscription to see these things. Um, it might just transfer, it might just be prime video. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure on all of that. I just know, it's not going to be only Bally, and they're going to have plenty of financial backing if Jeff Bezos is on your side now. No doubt about They're that. not filing for bankruptcy. No doubt. All right, so <laughs> getting back to the Carolina Panthers, coaching carousel, the playoffs, of course. We're going to get that thing back cranked up on Saturday. I know it felt like three straight days of doubleheader. It was like coming up gasping for air, all of the football that we took in over a three-day period. You wanted more. Well, more, we were yes, we were. I, I could never get enough football, but it was still like, whoo! It no, was I'm like after you. that last game, you're like, man, that's a lot of uh, football. So when we look at the teams that are left remaining, and on the NFC side, you've got Green Bay and San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Detroit. On the AFC side, you got the Bills, the Chiefs, Baltimore, and the Texans. And so, if you're the Carolina Panthers, who should you be pulling for? How should you go about this thing from a strategy perspective to get the guy that you want? And so I think that the more teams win, the more suitors uh, they're going to have, the more teams that will be waiting. And I would imagine it's not very advantageous uh, for Panthers fans. But, uh, Walker, how do you think that they should go about it? Because when you look at the candidates that are really high on the list, Bobby Slowick, who could more than likely be done this weekend, uh, going up against Baltimore, who's ready and waiting there. Then you talk about uh, Detroit, Ben Johnson uh, sitting there with a matchup that looks very favorable for them. So you would think they're probably going to move on for at least another week uh, as well. And then also, to Steve Wilkes, not that the Panthers would consider hiring him. But yeah, Sam Fran didn't have anybody in the game. At the defensive coordinator spot that, man, you, you would just hate to think you would at least hope that there was at least a shred of a thought given to him, especially if they're able to go all the way and get it done. But more than likely, that's not going to happen. But, Walker, how do you think the Carolina fans should approach rooting uh, for these coaches? I have a top four list of teams that you should be pulling for to lose. Okay. Not to win. This is your top yeah, four list. I would imagine list you got to root for them to lose. To lose. Number one, Tampa Bay, division rival. Get them on up out of there. That's not the only reason, though. I've seen enough from Dave Canales to know that that is a guy I would not mind coaching my team. Mm -hmm. So now you get a division rival on up out of there. I don't want them having any more success. Stop. Get out of here. Dave Canales. Now you can start to interview him. One, you still can via Zoom, but you know, maybe he doesn't get as hot, right? Like maybe you just start to cool him off a little bit. I've already seen as much as I need to, though. So Tampa Bay is number one. Houston is next. You could argue for them to be number one, but I need to be a hater on Houston. I'm drinking the Haterade every single last drop. I don't want C.J. Stroud to have more success right now compared to Bryce Young. <laughs> I don't want Bobby Sloak to have no more. I've seen enough from C.J. Stroud to know the dude's special. I've seen enough from D'Amico. I've, I've seen enough of Houston doing a lot of what I wanted to do here in the Queen City. I'm done. I don't want to see you have any more success. Congratulations. I'm hating. Hate, 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 hate. Mm. I also want Bobby Slowick to have a little bit more access to him as a Panthers fan. So Bobby Slowick, that's another attractive candidate. This one you could interchange. I'm going to put Baltimore third. I like Todd Munkin a lot. 
And I think we've seen plenty of stops. This is not new, right? Like this is new for Slowick. This is the second year for Ben Johnson. This is not the first year for Dave Canales, but the first one that we've seen him a play caller with this squad. And and so it's the first year that we've heard their names as a real smart offensive coordinator, the first two. I've always thought Munkin was really good, and he's won at a bunch of different stops. So we know what Munkin is. I want, like, I want Lamar Jackson to do well, but I'm trying to view this from the lens of the hiring cycle, Wes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pulling for Lamar Jackson to go win it all on top of you know whoever, right? Like I'm pulling for him as a player. But I'll go Baltimore next, and then I'll go Detroit. Similar thing. It's hard to pull against Detroit because they haven't done it. They've never done this before, like in my lifetime. So I still want to see them continue to move on and on and on. But, yeah, I definitely want to figure out where Ben Johnson's going so then Carolina can figure out what they're going to do once Ben Johnson makes his decision. That's uh, my top four teams I'm choose, I'm pulling for to lose. Tampa, Houston, Detroit, Baltimore last. And really quick, or his name course. hasn't been out there yet, but relatively young guy, 40 years of age. I mean, Adam Stinovich, the offensive coordinator for the, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, nobody's been talking about him. I guess he's not looking for jobs because also when you look at the job that they've done with Jordan Love, and we know that Matt LaFleur is definitely uh, a huge proponent of that offense and their success as well. But do you think he's going to get any love as a head coach? And would you be uh, cool with the Panthers maybe pursuing him or or being a, a lead candidate for this job? Say the name one more time. Adam Stinovich. Yeah, for me, I think you're in the same lane of some of these play calls you don't know enough about. So it it feels like Frank Smith is the most valued coach on a staff that isn't calling plays. Frank Smith, that's the guy. Then you move on to, I I guess, Brian Callahan, even though we haven't talked about him as much until today with Dan Graziano predicting that he would be that next head coach for Carolina. So I feel like you have... Uh, the OC for the Packers and the OC for the Bengals in that same category. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, it, the only difference here is you had a switch up as the main thing with Callahan at the QB position mm-hmm. where you are changing your offense from Joe Burrow to Jake Browning, maybe differing very, maybe you don't think it was as much of a change, but you also have with Green Bay, just seeing the development of Jordan Love. That's also really hard to navigate. Moving on from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love and seeing the kind of success that he had. Yeah, I think either one of those guys you could absolutely make a case for. All right, so now when we take a look, and and Adam Kaplan said that David Tepper wants to copy what the Eagles did. Did that change after the debacle of a year that they had down the stretch and how everything played out? Now, I'll start this thing out. It's like, it's so hard to to copy what other teams do because basically you don't have the personnel that they have. But also, uh, I think things are going to come out in the coming weeks about what happened in Philly, how things started to fall off. And, and and I think in theory, I mean, it's it's not a bad blueprint, but I'm just trying to figure out what that blueprint is. I mean, you went and you drafted the Heisman Trophy winner and Devontae Smith. You added uh, a big-time player in A.J. Brown to the fold. Then you draft Jalen Hurts, a guy that – uh, a season or two ago uh, was looked at as a guy that was on the fringe. Uh, not many people saw his ascension coming. And so I think that that's a very tricky mix. And then you talk about the, the greatness of the offensive line and some of the success that they've had with some of the defenders that they've had. 
I'm not sure that this is a blueprint really that could be copied. I think that the Eagles kind of came together organically. And I, I just think it's a situation that you just can't really go out and say, okay, well, we're going to do this, 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 and this in case you're just saying, okay, well, we want to go find a, a MVP Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, go get two really good wide receivers, get a really nasty offensive line, and then go get some uh, playmakers on defense. Uh, if that's your blueprint, then sure. But I think that the way Philadelphia did it, it certainly wasn't uh, a seamless process for them, one that was streamlined. Because, like I said, coming into about two or three years ago, uh, nobody thought that Jalen Hurts was going to turn into the player that he has. Now, I did like Jalen Hurts pre-draft. I really wanted the Panthers to take a shot at him in like the second or third round. And they never did. And they continued to go the veteran QB carousel, which I couldn't stand. I was ready for them to invest in a QB like every other Panthers fan was. And so it worked out with Philadelphia. But you're right. This was an interesting take by Adam Kaplan, who's an NFL insider. And this is what he had to say on Pro Football Network, too. The Panthers have interest in Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson and assistant GM Alec Hallaby for their head coach and GM vacancies. That's what a source told Adam Kaplan that David Tepper was, quote, very impressed and, quote, enamored with how the Eagles run their operations. Mm. The luster, they got got rubbed off of the Eagles yeah, there, right? Did. I mean, it's, they turned into the worst team, borderline the worst team in the NFL. They were getting destroyed, Wes. Yes. Their offense didn't look good. It looked different. Their defense, that was quite literally the worst in the league based on a couple of different categories. They couldn't tackle at all. They weren't in the right positions to succeed. And even that offense... Even when they were winning, Wes, it felt like there was still a little something different. Mm-hmm. It felt like the cart was shaking and the wheels were about to fall off. And then they did. And then they didn't go anywhere. So that has to cool you on Brian Johnson, right? Like it, it, it would be tough to go after Brian Johnson and say, see what he did last year. I, I view him almost at least in a similar vein as Mike Kafka, who also got an interview, I believe, with Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, maybe mm-hmm. a different team. But if we go back to last year... We were talking about some of these offensive minds that would be candidates. Brian Johnson was thrown out there. Shane Steichen was thrown out there as the OC of the Eagles. Brian Johnson was the QB coach. Mike Kafka was. But I feel like that's what happens when you wait a little too long. It was a little bit of a risk for Ben Johnson when he decided, no, I'm going back to Detroit. I believe in what's coming up. I think it would have been a decent bet that Brian Johnson would just be coveted to the upcoming offseason, but they just fell apart so much and the offense wasn't ever all that great. And Kafka was a part of all of the problems with the giants. You got Tommy Cutlets balling for like three weeks, but then he fell off a cliff too. So I feel like I, I view those coordinators in a similar vein offensively where you know, do you point to last year and say, that's why you brought him on board. Yeah. Like it's tough to justify that hire. Yeah. We want to talk about candidates. You would hate to see Carolina higher, put him uh, near the top of the list. Brian Johnson. Not at the top because yeah. not only that, after Nick Bosa said what he said after the 49ers game, things were never the same. Oh, he I said didn't. after the game, we gave you the blueprint on how to stop the Eagles. He said, you keep Jalen in the pocket. He wants to roll out to one side. You make him roll out to the other way. He's got to throw back across his body. Uh, he basically just said in the media, 
everything that you need to do to slow down this Eagles offense. And I'd be damned if they weren't awful after that point. And so I think if you're a coordinator and a guy can go out there and just tell people exactly what is needed to be able to slow you down or to stop you. Yeah, nah, I'm not with that at all. He's going to have to show me something more down the road. That doesn't mean that he can't, but I hope he earned a harsh lesson for this. But yeah, that was definitely a quote that went viral. uh, That was going viral pretty much every week after they lost to San Francisco, but once they lost in the playoffs, people were saying, listen, Nick Bosa told you exactly what you needed to do to shut down this offense. And so I think the interesting thing, too, for Jalen Hurts, and I think this reflects on the coaches as well, is that when you do take away that ability, because Bosa also talked about how uh, Hurts always looks at the rush. And so he said, if you keep your rush disciplined and don't just go up the field and give him the ability to get out of the B gaps, as he talked about it, that it's not the same offense either. And I think that when you have an indictment like if you keep your quarterback in the pocket, he's not the same player and what your quarterback is supposed to play from the pocket, then yeah, nah, that, that doesn't reflect well on the offensive coordinator. Brian wrote in on the text line and said, Brett Coleman made a YouTube video talking about Brian Johnson's offense, and man, it looked a lot like Frank Reich's scheme. And remember, we did have that Eagles-Frank Reich link because there were so many guys that were yeah, working yeah. Yeah, you don't want Frank Reich back in here. Is it anybody that you would hate to see them hire? Yeah, it's a guy they interviewed today. I, I it, It's funny because we've been going to this pool and like, oh man, there's so many good candidates. I, I can't get mad mm-hmm. at any of them that they've interviewed for the most part. But today, talk about hard to justify a hire. They interviewed Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Yeah. Damn, damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's Fitty speaking to us via Chris McClain's voice. Talk about that. I mean, it'd be, how do you justify it, right? Yeah. It would be the fact that they ranked high up there in defense, I guess, the last two years. But this past season, it felt like if they weren't getting after the passer, if Micah Parsons wasn't Superman, if Deron Bland didn't run it back for a pick six after he intercepted the football, then they were susceptible. The last game, the lasting memory we have of Dan Quinn running a defensive unit is allowing close to 50 points if Green Bay decided to pour it on even more. You stink. We also know that he coached the Atlanta Falcons and was a part of the 28-3 debacle that not only he didn't get fired after taking his team to a Super Bowl, we have to remember it also didn't work out the last couple of years there, right? There was a reason he got fired. It wasn't because of the 28-3 debacle. It's because he wasn't coaching at a high enough level anymore. So it didn't work out with Atlanta. You're the defensive coordinator for Dallas. And, man, we saw some bad defensive performances all across the year, too. It's not like this was the only one. If you weren't getting after the pa- uh, the passer and you weren't turning it over, then they were a little susceptible. They couldn't stop the run. Yeah, man, Dan Quinn would be the guy I would be least happy with. All right. So now when we come back on the Wes and Walker show, we got you the Carolina coaching candidates. And Walker said he is not having it with Dan Quinn. Nope. And when we come back, it is time to go to the Kona, the campus corner on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are back. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wake Forest and NC State had quite the battle last night. Crazy game. Let's get right to it. Let's go to the campus. Coda. All right. The Demon Deacons outscored the Wolfpack in the first half by 10, 45 to 35. But in the second half, it was all Wolfpack. They outscored Wake 48 to 31. Deke shot 33% in the second half, 25% from three. NC State did not make a three-point field goal in this basketball game, and they did shoot 52% in the second half. But let's hear from Steve Forbes talking about how that second half was the worst half of basketball that the Deeks have played since he's been here. Well, I think over the past three years, that's the worst half of basketball that we've played since I've been head coach. In the second half, it was embarrassing. And um, we completely lost our composure on offense and defense. We got whipped on both ends of the court. Um, I thought we played selfish. Um, in the first half, the ball was zinging and moving, and we got wide open shots. Second half, we over dribbled, uh, didn't play for each other, and we couldn't score the ball. And then we didn't get any stops. I love that. I mean, that's my head coach right there. Calling guys out. Hopefully they work on that and get it right. But Kevin Keats, who was ejected with three minutes to go uh, in the first half, a little over three minutes. Like I said, this was a wild game. You had double technicals late in the game on, on, uh, what's my man's name, from Wake Hunter Salas and Middle Brooks and all those guys. They got mixed up. But Kevin Keats kicked things off with his ejection in the first half. Let's hear what he had to say post-victory. The crazy thing about it is, yes, I probably would be fine right now had we not won the game. But I'm going to keep the focus on the most important thing is our players and our coaching staff. I mean, I thought they did a tremendous job, you know, throughout the game, getting into halftime. You know, these guys, these, these young men believe and they're fighting. And the message that we want to send today to everybody is, Man, we're going to fight. All right, so with that said, is it time for us to start showing NC State its proper respect as a contender in the ACC this year? This was such a weird game. I'm not sure exactly how much respect we should still show them. As far as an NCAA tournament lock, because that seems a little too strong for me. But, yeah, they keep winning games. Here they are at 13-4, and and yet I don't watch them and even feel some of the feelings I felt last year. This isn't necessarily a flat-out NC State altogether disrespect I'm feeling because I was a huge fan of Terquavion Smith last year. I thought that guy was an absolute baller. I thought it was great for Kevin Keats to get him back. Unfortunately, not the type of season you would have wanted from him to try to propel his draft stock, but I really like that team, Wes. It's weird. Like I feel better about that unit than I do this team. Here they are. 13 and, f- and 4. West, they're 5 and 1 in conference play. Right. 
I, I, I guess they have to. Like, I, it's not a team I'm ever going to feel great about choosing. Best I would have had SEC start since 1988-89. I would have had the same answer Lauren Brownlow gave to us yesterday about how I trust Wake more. I did. I trusted the Deeks more heading into this one just because I felt like you had something a little bit more predictable with their offense being so sound. But man, that went out the door in the second half, and they got outscored by 17 in the second half. Plus, this was just a crazy game anyway. But I guess to answer your question, yet, uh, Wes, I'm sorry. I, I don't know is the answer, my answer. But I guess you start to have to respect them more so because they find a way to win these conference games. Yeah, and I think that the optics of the Carolina loss really hurt this team. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say I, I think that State is a team that's going to be in the mix. Uh, when you look at DJ Horn, how he's starting to come on back-to-back 20-plus point games, uh, you know what you're going to get from DJ Burns, Ben Middlebrooks. They have guys that just keep stepping up and making plays. And for Wake, it was just inexcusable the second half that they had. Everything that Coach Forbes said, he was right on the money. And they controlled this game for most of the game. Uh, when you look at it, they trailed by uh, – NC State trailed by as many as 12 points in the first half and as much as 11 in the second half. But they ended the game on a 17-7 run over the final 315 of the basketball game. So – they, they just, I don't know if Wake just took their foot off the throttle. They thought that they had the game in hand, but it's just not, it's, that's not going to cut it. You get outscored 50 to 30 in pink points. It's just not good enough. Well, and Fiddy, I know you feel a very similar way I do about NC State. That you're, look, I know people are going to say you're a hater because you're a North Carolina fan, but it did seem like genuinely you're not sure how to grasp this basketball team, especially with the expectations we're supposed to have at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, like, I should be able to look at a 13-4, and 5-1 and one ACC team and say, man, that team's going to make the tournament. And they're going to get a high seed in the tournament. I don't get that feeling with NC State. Uh, maybe this is a type of win that propels them and they go on some sort of run because you, you play for an inspired head coach who I think was coaching to get ejected last night. Like there Seems was just like something like there was just something from the word go. Like Keats was a little bit extra. And for Wake Forest, like I'm not going to say that it's going to cost them a tournament spot, but it's why you can't trust them. Yeah. Like, like you got to go on the road in this conference and win. And if you can't go on the road and win at Florida State, you can't go on the road and win at NC State. Now, these are, to be fair, two teams that are sitting at the top of the conference. Yeah, they are. Right but they're but, North Carolina. But they're not, they're not as good as Carolina. They're not as good as Duke. They're not as good as Miami. Like, I, if, if, I, if I'm a Wake fan, all four of you, how do you have trust this team to go on the road and win in conference? Well, the thing I'd say is about Miami, and even though Wake beat them, that may be – this jury's still a little bit out on them after losing to Louisville. But that's the thing about this conference is that you never know because you look at state schedule and the next five coming up for them, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Cuse, Miami, Georgia Tech. They should go 4-1. Uh, and one. In Pittsburgh. They should, in theory. You think that, but then, like I said, it just gets crazy in the ACC. And then they see Wake Forest again on February 10th. And so that's the thing, too, is that I feel like when you have two good teams that play against each other, more than likely they're going to split. So Wake will get to see them again. Wake's got Louisville on Saturday before Monday night traveling to Chapel Hill to take on the Tar Heels. You still barking? Yeah, no doubt about it. Like I said, they lost a game on the road last night. They'll learn from it. You know what I'm saying? And they get to see State again. I'm I'm not saying they're going to beat Carolina. Carolina's a juggernaut, but... I give my team a shot. No, for sure. I was with you, but it's it's at the very least disappointing to lose two out of your last three against Florida State and NC State, where on the road, yeah, I know it's hard to win. So be it. 
Got to win on the road. If yeah. you're Wake Forest and you're Steve Forbes and you're not getting to the tournament like that, I'm sorry. That's the task at hand. You got a lot of ballers on the squad. You got a lot of talent. Go win on the road in a tough conference. That's what everybody else has to do if they want to make it out here. I want Wake Forest to get there, and I love Steve Forbes, the dude. I love the team. I like a lot of the talent. I think you're dead on. I talked about how some of the favorite players in the ACC I have are on that roster. Andrew Carr, baby. You know, you think I look like Andrew Carr a little bit or play like him. I don't know what it was, but I give you Andrew Carr vibes, apparently. But, like, it's... That's the task. Yep. You got to accomplish it. That's going to be the same thing for every single one of these ACC teams outside of Carolina and Duke if we view them as at the top. Same thing with Larinaga and Miami. You are underperforming. Here's Clemson. We try to give you some love, and then you drop a double overtime game at home against Georgia Tech. This is the task at hand. You either do it and get to the dance, not sweating it, or you don't. And if you don't, sorry, I can only feel so bad for you. Can you guys guess how many ACC teams have winning road records right now? How many? Five. Uh, you got Carolina City. Well, how many bids do you think are going to go to this team or this conference? Today, today Lenardi had nine somewhere in there. Could be five, but we'll see. But you got Carolina three and zero, NC State three and one, Duke. I counted them because they are two and two. Then you go down to Boston College, who's three and two, and Pitt at two and one. So yeah, but there's no excuse for it. Uh, Wake right now sitting at one and three on the road. They need to get the job done. But good news coming for the Deeks in another area as we close out the campus Kona. For the first time in program history, the Demon Deacons will open the season at number one in perfect games preseason top 25. They're also number one in D1Baseball.com's uh, top 25. And the perfect game is the first of the five major preseason polls to be released. The Deeks are going to play seven preseason top 25 opponents over the course of the season. And the ACC placed six teams in the poll with Wake, Virginia, Carolina State, Clemson, and Duke uh, all checking in. But uh, Coach Tom Walter is entering his 15th season. They returned five position players and 11 pitchers while welcoming the top transfer class and number 23 recruiting crop to Winston-Salem. So I will also uh, be making my way up there to go to my share baseball game uh, this year as well. So when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, it's time for Live Wire Connect on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Don't touch the dial.